Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Do you have a lifestyle of serving your brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you willing to serve them even in the most lowly and base and humbling ways? Our King, Jesus, humbled himself and served his disciples in an incomprehensible way when he washed their feet. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 13 and see how we can follow the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and, metaphorically, wash one another's feet in every way he leads us. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It's a Sunday afternoon here in Texas and hopefully y'all are just loving on Jesus. My uh, my wife and I just got back from a, uh, uh, what was it, eight days in, uh, in the Northeast in Connecticut, uh, spending time with, with my parents and uh, friends and family and uh, just... Uh, you know, doing the work of the Lord. Um, we had some wonderful ministry time and uh, just fellowship and community. And it was just a, it was a good time in the Lord. It was a productive time. We got the gospel out and uh, my wife, my beautiful wife, May, uh, you know, works hard to, to serve my parents so well. So thank you, sweetheart. And, um, and yeah, so it was just a, a good time of fellowship. Like I said, with, uh, with friends and family, we had a, we had a wedding since the last teaching where uh, Ian and Chloe were married and uh, it was just a wonderful wedding and just in, in every way it was a you know it was a, it was a Christ glorifying wedding which that's the purpose of a wedding you know uh, uh, when husband and wife come together for for it to be a, a biblical wedding both people have to be Christians because uh, uh, a biblical marriage is a picture of the believer's marriage to Jesus Christ. A Christian is one with Jesus Christ in spirit. Um, just like husband and wife are one physically, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us, and we are one with Jesus spiritually. We are called the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. In the uh, the Poteet wedding was just uh, again just a beautiful wedding in every way. Um, like I said, it, it magnified Jesus, and just everything went smoothly. Man, it was just a refreshing time, and it was a blessing to be a part of it. So uh, we bless you, Ian and Chloe, and your new marriage. I guess they've been married what now? Um, golly, what's it been? Ten days. So thank you, Lord Jesus. So today we are going to continue in. Uh, in John chapter 13, we're going to do verses 12 to 20 today. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. Father, we thank you for the holy scriptures, the living word of God. We thank you for giving us this Bible, Father. We thank you that we get to have a Bible and look forward to reading our Bible and studying our Bible and spending time in the Bible, Father. We just thank you that we have the living word of God. And Father, I ask you to open our eyes and our hearts that we would, you know, that we would better understand the, the overwhelming blessing we have in the Holy Scriptures. But Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and, and King. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us, for living a perfect life for us, for dying a perfect death for us. And we thank you that you are alive and risen today and we worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, John chapter 13, verses 12 to 20. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I tell you the truth, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just, uh, I mean, this whole picture of Jesus washing his disciples' feet is... Uh, it really is incomprehensible. In the first 11 verses, we, you know, we studied the last time Jesus washing his disciples' feet. We talked about how that was, you know, one of the lowest tasks in all society that, you know, even servants oftentimes wouldn't be asked to do it or it would be the, the most base lowly servant in the household would be asked to do it. And here... We have Jesus, our king, humbling himself in doing the most base, almost humiliating task, washing his disciples' feet, and even washes Judas's feet, who he knew was going to betray him. And, and again, we have a picture here, as he's going to tell us in verse 15, when he says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. We have a picture here of he did this so that, that we would emulate him in this. As Christians, our greatest desire should be to emulate our Lord, Jesus Christ. Do you have a desire in your heart today, Esther? Do you all have a desire in your heart to emulate Jesus. May, do you want to be like Jesus? Do you want to live like Jesus? Do you want to love like Jesus? Do you want to give like Jesus? Do you want to forgive like Jesus? When you read the Gospels, right, Father Rick, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you see how Jesus lived, how he walked, how he talked, how he loved, 
how he gave, how he forgave. When you see his manner, your greatest desire in mine ought to be to emulate Jesus, to be like Jesus in everything. Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. Now, they really didn't understand. And we said this last time. It's very rarely do we do we understand and never do we fully understand what the Lord is doing until much later or, or later. Um, but he asked them, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. So again, Jesus gets up from the table. He's their Lord, their master, their God. And he does the most menial task, the most basic, base task. He humbles himself, himself and washes their feet. And then he asks them, do you understand what I have done for you? And you know, it's what Jesus has done for us, you know, it's it's incomprehensible. And really none of us fully understand what Jesus has done for us. But we, we ought to spend our lives, Stephen, asking ourselves that question. Stephen, do you understand what Jesus has done for you? Tom, do you understand what Jesus has done for you? Esther, do you understand what Jesus has done for you. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. Now here he has washed his disciples' feet. He's humbled himself and washed their feet. And then he's going to go on here within the next day, the next 24 hours, and give his life for them. And the more we understand what Jesus has really done for us, the more, the more we'll, we'll love him, the more we'll understand his love, and the more we'll love him in return. And again, that's, that's the meaning of life, is to love him and to know his love for us and to walk with him and to obey him. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now, again, when you look at Jesus, when you read the words of Jesus, it's not like reading the words of any other human being in all history. Listen, listen to what he just said. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. If you have not gotten to a place where you call Jesus teacher and Lord, then you have not gotten to where you need to be. Jesus needs to be your Lord, your Savior, your Master, your King, your God, your Teacher. He's everything. And he boldly states it here. You call me Teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. That's John 13, 13. Are you living your life today, Chris, calling Jesus teacher and Lord? Is Jesus your teacher and your Lord on a moment-by-moment, 
day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year basis. Is Jesus your teacher and your Lord? And he makes it clear. He says, and rightly so, for that is what I am. We only have one teacher. We only have one Lord. And it's Jesus Christ, the Lord of heaven and earth. It begins with receiving him. In John 1.12, Jesus uh, John says in John 1.12, to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received Jesus Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior? Are you trusting and relying on Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Romans 10.13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not our words that save us. It's Jesus that saves us. But it's our words that communicate our heart and our desire and our trust to Jesus. Are you trusting and relying on Jesus alone today for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? You won't trust in Jesus if you don't understand your need of him. Why do you need Jesus? Because the Bible is clear that without Jesus, only eternal hell awaits. It's only in Jesus Christ that we can have our sins forgiven, that we can come into relationship with the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and can ultimately go to heaven when we die. So are you trusting in Jesus today? What does it mean to trust in Jesus? Well, it means to acknowledge first your need of him, to acknowledge, as the scriptures say, Romans 3.23 says that all human beings are sinful and fall short of God's holy standard. And to just go before Jesus and to just acknowledge before him, acknowledge to him that you are a sinful person and that you know that you're hopeless and helpless and desperate without him. And then to simply give your life to him, right? And again, it's, it's not just about puppeting words. Words don't save us. Again, words is how we communicate our heart to the Lord. But, but simply go before Jesus and, and pray to him, Lord Jesus, I, I know I'm a sinful person and I, I know I can't save myself. I know that I'm hopeless and desperate and helpless. But Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. And I believe you came and lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And I believe you are alive and risen today. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. A Christian is someone who's trusting in Christ. They've called out to Christ, desperately knowing their need of him. They're clinging to him for their salvation. And then a disciple of Jesus, right? A Christian is someone who's received Christ as their savior. A disciple is now a disciplined follower of Christ. You can't be a disciple of Jesus before you're a Christian. Once you've received Jesus into your heart, Jesus Christ is is one with you. He's living inside of you. And now he's, he's leading you to be his disciple. A disciple is a disciplined follower of Christ, right, Peyton? 
you know, someone who spends time with Jesus, someone growing to know him, to be like him and everything. Someone who knows Jesus Christ is their teacher and Lord. Jesus says in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say go and make Christians, although we have to be a Christian before a disciple. He didn't say go and make churches. Churches are wonderful things, right? I forget the author's name, but he said, when you make disciples, you always get church. But when you make churches, you rarely get disciples. So it's our job to make disciples, obedient, disciplined followers of Jesus Christ, our Lord, right? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Is Jesus not only your Lord and Savior, but is he your teacher? Are you submitted to him as your teacher? Verse 14, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Verse 15. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. He's not speaking here specifically about really feet washing, okay? Um, it's fine to humble yourself, I've done it, and to, and to wash another individual's feet. Um, but he's not speaking here specifically about feet washing. He's talking about humbling yourself and serving your brothers and sisters in Christ in the lowliest fashion, in the most difficult fashion. He's talking about you and I lowering ourselves to serve one another in the most menial ways, to serve one another in, in, in the hardest ways, to forgive one another, to love one another, to meet one another where we are. Does that make sense? Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. If you go back to verse 10, it says, Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. So as we walk through this world, oftentimes the dirt of this world gets on us, and we misstep and we fall into sin of all different kinds. The more we grow in Jesus Christ our Lord, the more we, we truly come to understand the depth of our sin. In our, in, our, in our immense need of Jesus as our Savior. But the more we grow as a disciple, the more revelation we have of who Jesus is and who we are not. And again, it's, it, it ought to be our drive to be like him. Verse 15, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus is our example. And everything. So we want to be like him. And as I just said, the more we grow in Christ, the more we spend time with him, the more we, we grow to obey him, right, Kristen? The more we realize just how much we are really not like him. I, have, I, I marvel. I was talking to a brother of mine, Jesse, a few days ago and just explaining to him how I just, how I can marvel 
at the various levels of um, uh, just, Im I'll call it immaturity in my own life. The, the places where I am really not like Jesus. And I mean, it's it's almost like there's too many to, to mention. I know my, my, my biggest failure, and it's not okay, is impatience. The Bible says love is patient in 1 Corinthians 13, and, and it's just one that, uh, that, that I need so much work on. Um, but I want to be like Jesus. And it's not enough for me just to simply say, I'm not. I need to consistently repent. We all need to consistently repent and, and make an effort to be more like Jesus. Now, hear me. This has nothing to do with our salvation. Nothing we do can forgive our sins and get us to heaven. That comes solely, entirely, and completely by trusting and relying on what Jesus has done for us on our place and in our behalf. But as disciples of Jesus, our hearts ought to increasingly be, right, Chloe, to be more like him. And as I said, the more we, we grow to know him, the more we see areas where we're not like him. And that ought to drive us not to condemnation, right, not to shame, not to guilt, but to conviction, right? Enjoy that we see the areas of our life that are out of place and we, we want to fix them. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus Christ is the example for every human being alive in the world today. If you're alive in the world today, all 8 billion people, your example is Jesus and everything. Again, it begins with you giving your life to him, receiving him, John 1, 12, to all who received him. He gave the right to those who believed in his name to become children of God. And then from there, growing to be his disciple. Every man, every woman in the world, Jesus is your example in every manner and every way. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Verse 16, I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Jesus is saying, you can bank on this. This is certain. No servant is greater than his master. So again, we are servants of Jesus. If our master and our king, our savior, our God, it's incomprehensible. It, all the kings and leaders in the world, right? All the presidents, all the, the dictators, all world leaders are served. And everyone comes and puts themselves at their disposal of whoever the world leader is, right? But Jesus, our king and our master, humbles himself and washes his disciples' feet. Now hear me, this is particularly important. This is important for every Christian, every, every disciple everywhere in the world. But it's particularly important for ministers and for Christian leaders. He's washing his disciples' feet. This is their master, their Lord, their teacher, their God is washing the apostles, the disciples' feet. And they are ministers, and they will go out and minister to the world. So as an example of him humbling himself before us, and there's not a word for what we are, right? Him washing our feet 
again, I, I don't know the words for it. I forget who said it, but uh, a human, you know, becoming a roach is more appropriate than Jesus becoming a man. <laughs> That's real, right? Um, but when we, just to comprehend or to think about or to contemplate, Jesus humbling himself before us as our king and our savior, as Christian leaders of any kind, it's our job to humble ourselves and to wash the feet of the body of Christ and to serve them in the difficult ways. What does that mean? It means as Christian leaders, it's our job to love and forgive and to humble ourselves. And frankly, that's, that's hard for us. I mean, above all, as pastors, elders, deacons, you know, whatever Christian leader you are today, do you have a lifestyle? And this is something I need immense growth in, of humbling yourself in serving and metaphorically washing the feet of those you lead. Those who are, you know, who need their feet washed because they, they're worldly, they're dirty, um, you know, they're saved, they've given their lives to Jesus Christ, but they're consistently making mistakes. Are you humbling yourself, getting underneath them and lifting that up and setting them an example of what a leader should look like? A leader is above all a servant. And there is no question we have lost almost all side of this in the body of Christ. And I'll say boldly that if you're a Christian leader today and you don't see in your own life and that of others that we have lost sight of this, then you ought not be a leader. All of us need to repent uh, at various levels, right? Um, you know, wherever we are as Christian leaders, we need to repent of not serving, right? Jesus washes the disciples' feet. These are disciples, these are his, his apostles, and they're gonna go out and be the, the premier Christian leaders. And they're supposed to now humble themselves and do the lowly task in serving, you know, the believers that are below them spiritually, right? Those that they are mentoring. Jesus is their Lord and teacher. And, you know, as pastors and teachers and elders, um, as ministers, you know, we have men and women that we serve. But oftentimes we're, we're more caught up in things like, like authority, right? And again, I'm not saying authority is not important, but this is more important, substantially more important. There's nothing more important than this, okay? This comes well before authority, and until someone learns to do this, they have no authority at all, okay? There is no pastor, no minister, no elder, no Christian leader that has any, any real authority, spiritual authority in Christ, that has not learned this principle. Titles don't give us authority. Just because you have a title, like I have a title of pastor, I'm the president of kingdom discipleship, doesn't mean anything. You can have a title of minister, of bishop, of apostle, of elder, of deacon, it's nonsense, okay? 
Titles don't mean anything. They do mean that we're going to be more responsible to Christ for having that title. But it's going to be how you exercised that ministry office that ultimately matters to Jesus and matters to how effective or productive you'll be in the kingdom of God. No servant is greater than his master. We need to emulate Jesus. If Jesus, our master, humbled himself, we ought to have a lifestyle of humbling ourselves. And Lord, I'm sorry. I just, uh, I, I don't know. It seems I know, Lord, it's something I need so much work on, and I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to help me, Lord. I ask you to help all of us, Lord, who are ministers in the body of Christ and all Christians and disciples at large to, to more and more humble ourselves, that we might metaphorically wash the feet and serve the world before us in Jesus' name. Help us, Father. Help us, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 17. Now that you know these things, verse 17, now that you know these things, so now you know these things, you've heard them written here, you've heard me talk about them and teach them. Verse 17, Jesus speaking, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So Tommy, this is what this means. If you do these things, if you have a servant's heart, if you will humble yourself and metaphorically wash the feet of those the Lord brings you before, you'll humble yourself and you'll, you'll get down in the trenches and you'll do the dirty work and you'll, you'll help believers in Jesus Christ be cleansed of their worldliness and the dirt that gets on them and you'll serve them in the most menial ways, in the most humbling ways, and nothing is above you then you will be blessed if you do it. If you don't, you won't be blessed. Right? It's a cause and effect statement. Verse 17. Now that you know these things, Jesus speaking, you will be blessed if you do them. Right, Lauren? We want to have a we want to have a lifestyle, sweetheart, of just of doing what Jesus did. Jesus set us an example as our Lord and, Lord and King and Master and Teacher and Savior and God. And we will be blessed if you do them. I mean, it's an incredible promise. John 13, 17. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to have the blessing of the Lord on your life? Then humble yourself today. I need to humble myself today, right, Gwenda? And, and be willing to get down and serve those Jesus has put in our life in whatever capacity he sets before us, even to the most lowly and menial and just um, base tasks, whatever they are. And if we do that, we will be blessed by our king. And I, as I said before, um, you know, there are a few areas that we need more help in as believers in Jesus Christ, as Christians, as disciples, and, and most certainly as Christian leaders. So I ask you to help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Father. Verse 18, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. Judas was one of the 12 
and this is a remarkable this is just uh, this is it's just it's inconceivable that Jesus knew that Judas would betray him would betray him but this had to happen so that Jesus would be crucified and killed for the sins of the world and so uh, I'll say again he washed Judas's feet which again it's just too much to get your mind around right he knows Judas is going to betray him. Um, he knows that Judas is going to lead him into the hands of those who will arrest him and, and torture him and crucify him. And yet, not only does he wash Judas's feet, but he, he goes along with it. And I've said this before, try to think about how, how you would even comprehend that if you knew someone was going to utterly betray you and yet you still continue to serve them it's uh, uh I don't, there's not even words for this i'm telling you now before it happens verse 19 so that when it does happen you will believe that i am he so he's talking to the 12 disciples and he says i'm telling you now so he knows right verse 19 i'm telling you now before it happens Jesus knows what's going to happen before it happens. Again, no one ever speaks like this. Only God knows, right? How does he know what's going to happen? How does he know Judas is going to betray him? How does he know all this? Because he's God. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And again, he's still exhorting them to believe that he is, he is the Savior, the Messiah, God, who came and gave his life for them. Verse 20, I tell you the truth, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. It's our job to go and proclaim as Christians, as believers, as disciples. It's all of our job to go and proclaim what Jesus has done. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, whoever accepts anyone I send. If you're a Christian today, if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ today, Linz, Jesus is sending you. If you've given your life to Jesus today, Scott, Jesus is sending you, right? And he says in verse 20, I tell you the truth, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. And when he says that, he's referring to, to God the Father. Remember, we have a triune God, right? We have one God, but represented in three distinct individual persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all God. They all have the nature of God. They're all all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere, right? Omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three separate beings, all God. 
I tell you the truth, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. It's our job to go and proclaim Jesus and his word and what he's done on behalf of the world. And when we do that, when we have Jesus, we have God the Father, we have Jesus God the Son, and we have God the Holy Spirit. If we don't have Jesus, we have no God at all. Every human being in the world needs Jesus. I will touch quickly on verse 18 again. It says, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. And he is, he's, um, This is Psalm 41.9 he's quoting. So Jesus now is, is again quoting the scripture of, of his betrayal. And so all of these principles that he's giving are only for those who belong to him. Only for those that have given their lives to Jesus. Okay? These principles are not for anyone that hasn't given their life to Jesus Christ. The reason that's important is because, as C.S. Lewis said, we don't want to hear any nonsense about Jesus simply being a good man like all the other, you know, religious figures in the world. Anyone in the Bible or the other religions, whether it's, you know, Gandhi or, or Muhammad, um, you know, or any of the New Age leaders or, or Confucius or Buddha or whomever, right? Jesus is not the same. Jesus is God. So these principles, all that we're teaching here today, are, are for those who have given their lives to Jesus Christ. So I'll ask you again, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Because you don't want it to be said of you. When Jesus says, I'm not referring to all of you, I know those I have chosen. Have you chosen Jesus Christ, showing thereby that he has chosen you. He's choosing you today. He desires you today. He desires for you to have your sins forgiven. He desires that, that you'll give your life to him. 1 Timothy 2.4 says it's God's will that, that all people be saved. 2 Peter 3.9 says it's his will that no one perish. Um, there's a lot that could be said about this in these verses, but that's more of an in-house deal, right? That we can, that we work through with the reformers, and um, and we won't get into that now. But have you chosen Jesus Christ today? He desires to choose you. He desires to give you life. Will you receive Him today? Again, John one twelve to all who received Him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Hmm. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your mercy on our lives. We thank you for, we just thank you for Jesus, Father. We thank you for this incredible example of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord Jesus, you have set us an example, and I ask you to help us that we should do as you have done for us in everything. Lord, we cannot die on the cross. But Lord, I ask you to help us to die to ourselves and our own agendas and our own lives and our just 
you know, Lord, just our own preference. I ask you to help us to serve one another, Lord, and to, to wash one another's feet in whatever capacity you set before us. Holy Spirit, we love you and we thank you today. We ask you to seal the message to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.